Good morning, everyone. Beautiful day, isn't it? Nice breeze off the lake. I'll read this week's reading, which is on the topic of the redeeming light. This is from The Rays of the One Light, a book by Swami Kriyanandaji, on the parallel passages between the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The book of Isaiah in the Bible, chapter 9, tells us, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. What is this light of which so many scriptures speak? In Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, we read of an early experience the Master had with that light. I was blessed about the age of eight with a wonderful healing through the photograph of Lahiri Mahashaya. This experience gave intensification to my divine love. While at our family estate in Ikapur, Bengal, I was stricken with Asiatic cholera. My life was despaired of. The doctors could do nothing. At my bedside, Mother frantically motioned me to look at Lahiri Mahashaya's picture on the wall above my head, bow to him mentally. She knew I was too feeble even to lift my hands in salutation. If you really show your devotion and inwardly kneel before him, your life will be spared. I gazed at his photograph and saw there a blinding light enveloping my body and the entire room. My nausea and other uncontrollable symptoms disappeared. I was well. At once I felt strong enough to bend over and touch Mother's feet in appreciation of her immeasurable faith in her guru. Mother pressed her head repeatedly against the little picture. O oh, omnipresent Master, I thank Thee that Thy light hath healed my son. I realized that she too had witnessed the luminous blaze through which I had instantly recovered from a usually fatal disease. Where my light is, God once told a saint, whom the divine light had healed, no darkness can dwell. The divine light, pure, calm, liberating, is the only final cure for every kind of delusion, ill health, emotional grief, and spiritual ignorance. Seek it daily, in silence, in deep meditation. As the Bhagavad Gita says in the fifth chapter, For whom that darkness of the soul is chased by light, splendid and clear shines manifest the truth, as if a sun of wisdom sprang to shed its beams of light. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om.
Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be here with you. For those of you who don't know us, my name is Nayaswami Devi, and this is Nayaswami Jyotish, and we're uh, the spiritual directors for Ananda. It's nice to be back. We've been traveling a lot, as we usually do. We visited our communities in Palo Alto and Portland and Seattle, and we actually are planning for those of us who live in the community to have a satsang on uh, July 9th to just share with you all about our travels and developments throughout the world. So save the date. (laughs) And I'd like to start by sharing from Whispers from Eternity, which is Master's Book of Prayer Poems. This is Demand to Set Fire to the Forest of Darkness. I built a fire of devotion in the dark forest of delusion. Alas, the fire only smoldered. Then thou didst come and set fire to a few of my frailties. That fire quickly spread, consuming the bushes of my prickly desires, my tall, towering vanities, and the thick underbrush of my arrogance. The whole forest of my darkness is blazing, and I behold only thy light shining everywhere. I thank thee, Father, for thy help. Help me thus always. Let me open a path of light for all to follow. Our master said that The whole of this universe rests on a single thought. Wipe that thought away, and the universe disappears. Well, what is that single thought? That thought is that this world of duality, of joy and sorrow, pain and pleasure, light and darkness, good and evil, that it's real that it has substance in and of itself. Because the great teachers of all religions tell us that this world is not real. And if you read the mystical traditions of every faith, Christianity, Judaism, the Indian religions, Buddhism, all of them say the same truth. This world that we think is so real is really just a play of shadows. And in his beautiful mystical poem, Samadhi, Master starts in speaking of this very uh, paradox. I'll quote to you just the first few lines. Vanish the veils of light and shade, lifted every vapor of sorrow, sailed away all dawns of fleeting joy, gone the dim sensory mirage. Love, hate, health, disease, life, death, perish these false shadows on the screen of duality. So the screen of duality, that's all it is. And I'm looking now at my dear friend Pavan Cole, who's sitting in the back, who is the director of The Answer, who we all enjoyed. And I don't want to belittle the cinematic art in any way. (laughs) But it is just the screen of duality. And 
this is the more we can become to realize this, the more and live it, use it as an, a daily exercise, the more we are freed from that bondage and the little thought of the universe gets wiped away. You know, Master used to take some of his disciples from time to time to the movies. And um, in the very dramatic or exciting part where the hero was in big trouble, he would tap them on the shoulder and point up to the beam of light coming from the projection booth. And he would say, it's all a play of light and shadows. It's only the light that gives it any reality, the interior light that gives this any of it form. If you took a, a roll of film and you just held it in a dark room, there wouldn't be any story. But if you let the light of God move through it, then there's a story. And so God has created this story by sending his light through the images, but it's up to us to get the meaning behind it all, to say, oh, the movie isn't real in and of itself. It's just the light that's animating it all. And that's what I want to see. That's what I want to gaze in. I'm tired of the pictures of this life, no matter how entertaining they are. I want to see that light. And so... How is that possible? It's all well and good for us to sit here and nod our heads and say, oh, yes, yes, it's all light. I, I totally agree with her. Well put, well put. But, <laughs> but how do we get there? How do we begin to experience that? Because without that, it's nothing. It's just words. And so, as Patanjali says in his second Yoga Sutra, and now we come to the study of the science of yoga. This is where yoga comes in. And by the way, I want to welcome particularly all of our guests at the Expanding Light and those taking meditation teacher training in. But the stu study of the science of yoga, this is what enables us to see the light that animates it all. And we know the four different paths of yoga. And let's, let's use those as kind of the matrix to discuss this. So first we have jnana yoga, discrimination. That The key phrase for jnana yoga is not this, not that, neti, neti. And so when we look at the world around us, when something terrible happens, we say, oh, okay, nothing touches who I really am. When we lose, you know, many of you know the story. In 1976, Ananda was struck by a big forest fire and the whole community burnt down. Luckily, we've done a lot of fire clearing since then, so you don't need to be too alarmed, but uh, brush clearing. But we lost everything, everything we had. Every seven years into the community, burnt to the ground, homes, buildings, gardens, and yet, because we had been students of yoga and disciples of Yogananda, we walked through that, and we said, nothing can take away the joy within me unless I give it that power. If I give it the power to be crushed by this experience, it will. But if I say, no, it's not this. These homes, these everything that we had built, if God, God gave them to us, he can take them away. 
but I have to live in the reality of my being. Many of you know the story, some of you perhaps not, that at the time of the fire struck, Jatish and I are, are married and we have a grown son, and he was just a little bitty baby. He was like 11 days old, and we lost everything we had, no home, no clothes, no nothing. And it was a shocking experience. It wasn't something that you say, oh, fun, you know, let's do this again. It was shocking. But at the same time, we had to go so deep within and say, it, because when you, you know, are starting off with a new child, you want to create a nice little home and safe environment. And I thought, you know, if, if that sense of security and peace and home doesn't exist within my own heart. It doesn't matter what I have on the outside. And we began from that point, and we built a very deep and loving spiritual family from that basis that lasts to this day, some 39 years later. So if whatever happens in life, just to be a jnana yogi and say, I will weather this storm. I don't have to react to it. I know that it's all coming from God's light. It is God's light. There was a beautiful story, horrible and beautiful, about uh, that we saw in a documentary film called Return with Honor. And it was the story of some of the American uh, jet pilots who were shot down during the Vietnamese War and were taken prisoner and held captive in Hanoi, what they called the Hanoi Hilton which was a terrible prisoner of war camp. And they were tortured brutally and daily for years, several years. But this was interviews with the, the movie, is interviews with the men who survived. And they were all people of faith who, most of them were Christians. But one man said that he endured it because every time he would be, they would drag him from his little, they were all in solitary confinement, they would drag him from his little cell, and he would, uh, he would just pray to God, he would recite verses from the Bible, he would do the Lord's Prayer, whatever he could do, and it got him through. And then one day, he was just so in pain and sick and exhausted, when they dragged him out, he just said, Lord, I have nothing left. You have to take over now. And he said he just felt this wave of light come down and surround him and fill the room. And he looked at the man who had been torturing him for years, and he said, don't you understand? There's nothing you can do to hurt me. And the man just withdrew in horror because he could feel there was another power there that was not born of of human strength, and he just withdrew from the room, and he never would come near that man again. And the man lived and to tell this story. But it, that's a dramatic story. Few of us have to endure anything like that. But as Christ says, sufficient unto the day are the evils thereof. Each one of us is tested in our own way. And if in that testing we can see, no, God, it's only you. I know this is... All of this experience is for me to see behind the form. And so jnana yoga. Then we come to raja yoga, the science of meditation. And this is, the, they call it raja yoga because it's the highest yoga. 
And that's the yoga, the, the real essence of the science of yoga, where we work with the inner patterns of energy. We work with the light of the chakras and draw it up and expand it and bring it to the spiritual eye and gaze into that light until it transforms our consciousness. Literally, Master said the presence of medita- the practice of meditation literally changes the cells of the brain. Not just nice words, literally. Master said this, oh, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 years ago. And now science researchers who are uh, doing testing people who practice meditation, they're finding that it's literally true that the frontal part of the brain where we concentrate when we meditate, it becomes activated. This is the center of joy, of clarity, of uh, willpower, of positive thinking, all of these things. And so when we concentrate here, the, those cells develop, that part of the brain develops, and it changes how we perceive and deal with life around us. And, you know, science is verifying all of these teachings. At first, in, you know, in the past century, we've made this incredible leap forward from seeing that at first that, okay, this is pretty solid, matter is real. And then with the uh, incredible insight and truly divine inspiration of the great physicist Albert Einstein, he said, wait a minute, matter isn't real. Matter and energy appear to be the same thing. And then they've taken it farther than that, and they examine the very building blocks of the universe, the atom, and they say, but wait a minute, this even this little quantum substance, it's not really matter. It's it's a particle, but it, it's also a wave. And now they're taking it even further. Someone was telling us recently that they're looking at the the nature of these teeny, teeny little particles or waves, and they're saying, you know, I don't even think this is a wave or a particle or magnetism. It appears to be simply light. And this is the cutting edge of physicists right now. They're substantiating what the great saints have been telling us. So meditation, Raja Yoga, and then Karma Yoga, the yoga of action, And this has two parts, to serve the light. If you want to see the light, then serve the light. Bring it into the world in whatever way you can. It doesn't have to be giving lectures. It can be planting a garden. It can be making a movie that enlightens people. It can be offering people hope and and comfort in times of need. But serve the light and serve with light. So whatever it is you're doing, administration, counting, whatever it is, let God's light flow through you. Feel that whatever you're doing is being inspired by the spark of divine light within you. I, I'm going to em- embarrass someone perhaps now, but I, my eye just happened to rest on one of our wonderful members, Ponderango, who's an architect. But you can see the buildings he designs and the way they're built going to the Moksha Mandir that's a vision of light. And he did that. I, I've never spoken with him about it, but looking at it, I, I feel intuitively he did that as a 
letting light come through him and that design and how it captures the light and how it integrates with the space. So serve the light and serve with light. And finally, bhakti yoga devotion. To understand that that light is conscious. It isn't just like turning on a light bulb. That light, which is the essence of all creation, is waiting for us to draw towards it, to merge with it, is consciously giving us life experiences to break down the resistance and the ego identification. I am this, I am that. This is important. I, you know, I'll come to God, but first I've got to really do this. That light is one uh, delusion by delusion, shining the light and saying, my dear child, is this really what you want? And you look at it and you say, no, Lord. I want only you. And then you get involved in something else and you say, is this really what you want? Is it really that important? And you say, no, Lord, I want only you. I remember many years ago, I had the blessing when I first came here of working in the garden. And um, I think all of us who work in gardens have the experience that when the, after, say, weeding a very long row of little baby carrots for the whole day, when you close your eyes to meditate, all you see are little baby carrot stops like that. And, and then you have to say, no, Lord, I, I, that, I served you during the day, but take away the baby carrots. Let me, just, <laughs> let me just see your light. And so it is with everything we get involved with. It stands between us and that light. And by devotion and the grace of God, we can begin to see that. Um, just an, a personal aside, I, I, I just feel to say this, and perhaps I, I'm, I shouldn't, but um, I don't know how many of you follow news on the Internet, but... Uh, President Obama was giving the eulogy for the uh, people that were killed in South Carolina, and he was giving the eulogy for this Reverend Pinckney. And there's the President of the United States, and he paused, and then he started singing. I've never heard a president sing before, and he sang Amazing Grace. And I watched that, and I just thought, I am so glad I live to see this day where the President of the United States would sing Amazing Grace. And it's the world indeed has so much darkness, but let's not forget the light. Let's not forget that it's there and that humanity, however much darkness we may seem to be heading towards, that light always shines within us. And so what is the nature of this light that we're talking about that is our essence Goswami described it so beautifully. It is pure. It is calm. It is liberating. It's not a glaring light. And yet, it says in the Bhagavad Gita that if a thousand suns appeared in the sky, their radiance would only dimly suggest the light of God, the exalted one. And so all the light of this world, no matter how brilliant, 
It's only a dim, re it's reflected light. Can you see, can we see that? This is all just reflected light. And Master even said that the sun, that huge burning orb, vast, is only a symbol, a reflection of the spiritual eye that resides within each one of us, the light of the spiritual eye. And so we need to accept that that's who we are. That light redeems us, it saves us, it guides us, it heals us, it blesses us, but it is us. We are that light. And the more we can draw it into ourselves, the more we become children of the light, the more we realize that this world of shadows, it's a passing show, but the light is constant, eternal. And that is where we have come from, and that is where we will one day merge without question. Not me, I'm saying this, well, maybe she will, but I won't. No, everybody, everybody. Because that's where we came from, and we have to go back there. And we will go back there through the grace of God, the practice of meditation, and attunement with the guru, who will help us, as he's the last line of Samadhi, the poem we quoted earlier, so simple, so humble. A tiny bubble of laughter, I am become the sea of mirth itself. This is who we are. And let's together keep moving forward in this great journey to find the light within and without.